Welcome to episode 27 of the Strength for All podcast. Today's episode is all about nutritional supplements, where I give you my experience and my thoughts on all the supplements that you can find in the fitness industry. If you like this podcast, make sure to give me a thumbs up or a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This is Jonathan Reposh, Johnny Reps Fitness with you, and today's podcast is going to be all about supplements. I'm going to talk to you guys about several different topics in relation to supplements, and before we start, I just wanted to say that this is not going to be like a comprehensive study or like a meta-analysis of studies on supplements. This is not going to be like the be-all, end-all, gospel truth of supplements. This is just going to be my experience with supplements my knowledge about supplements, what I know about them, and what I've gained from being a personal trainer for five years and working out on my own, exercising before I was a personal trainer for 15 years. So the topics I'm going to cover, and if you check the timestamps, these will be listed. They are which supplements work, the dangers of supplements, what supplements should I, or sorry, what supplements do I take, and how to tell if a supplement is good. I am not going to give you recommendations on which supplements you should take because this is a very individualized thing as we will get to in a second. All right, first thing, which supplements work? So I would, I would put supplements into a couple categories. I would put them into supplements that are useful, supplements that are possibly have some use, and then supplements that have probably no use at all. So I'll start with the first one where I think some supplements are that are useful. Um, whey protein. So not just whey protein specifically, but any type of protein su- supplement, any type of protein powder, they're going to be useful in so far as a food replacement to increase your protein intake. So what this means is if you're finding trouble getting enough protein intake in your daily diet, you can use a protein supplement to supplement, quote unquote, some of this intake. So does it matter if this protein is coming from a chicken breast or a can of tuna fish or, uh, you know, lean ground beef or even plant sources versus protein powder? The answer is no, it doesn't matter. It it really doesn't make much of a difference. You can get your protein source from whey protein. You can get from, from pretty much anything. What makes protein powder a convenient and uh, useful energy source is that, or useful protein source, is that it is low in calories while still being high in protein. So I would say that is probably my number one supplement is some type of protein powder or some type of protein. But again, keep in mind that even if you have protein, or sorry, even if you, you take protein powder, it's not necessarily going to do anything different than it would from just increasing your protein intake. So... But bear in mind that's the literally the most effective supplement is something that you you can supplement you can get your appropriate intake dietarily so okay next supplement that I think has effectiveness has actually actually serious data to support it is creatine so for people who don't know creatine monohydrate is a uh, is a powder that you can buy it's very cheap I would not recommend buying a creatine a supplement that has creatine in it, I would recommend just buying creatine monohydrate if you are going to get a creatine supplement. And creatine has been shown to increase uh, performance slightly 
in a workout. It has been shown to assist with muscle repair and recovery, and long-term, this will would tend to net you slightly more benefit in terms of muscle growth. But what are we talking about here? The amount of actual muscle growth you're going to get from taking creatine is not not a ton. You're going to get probably slightly more muscle growth than you po- would have if you didn't eat the creatine, if you basically did not supplement the creatine, but it seems that certain people are not even necessarily they're kind of adaptive or sorry they're not even responsive to creatine so what that means is about a third of people get some benefit measurable benefit from creatine about a third of people get like eh, might be working might not be working and about a third of people get nothing out of it so the second most effective supplement creatine is like you have about a third of a chance of it doing anything significant and even then it's it's only going to be a small blip um, the next supplement that's useful, I believe, is we're talking about specific vitamin supplementations, like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D. This one comes with many caveats. So the first thing is, if you are not deficient in any of these things, supplementing them is going to essentially do nothing for you. So, for example, let's say I just start randomly supplementing like vitamin B because I, I heard vitamin B is good most likely it's not going to have any effect at all, like not positive, not negative. But however, there is some potential for a negative effect if you hyperdose large amounts of certain vitamins. The, I forget if it's the water-soluble or the water-insoluble ones, but whatever the case may be, certain, certain vitamins, there's not like a zero risk when it comes to supplements, supplementing vitamins, like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, any of those. So I think a good general thought for all of these supplements is, again, they can be effective if you are potentially um, deficient, but if you are not deficient, you shouldn't take them. And when I say you're deficient, I'm talking about clinical deficiency. Like, you shouldn't just say, oh, I, I, I think I'm deficient in vitamin D, so I'm going to start supplementing it. Probably not going to do anything. Again, low chance for harm, but it's probably not going to do anything. So when I say a vitamin deficiency, I mean you actually go and get tested by a doctor, not one of those like mail-in kits because those are bogus. But if you go and actually get tested by your doctor and they say, hey, you're deficient in this, and then the doctor recommends that you supplement that, that could have some effect. But just going out and supplementing random vitamins, probably not going to do anything. Um, it, the next one is a in terms of vit- supplements that actually uh, are probably helpful, and this is probably the last one, and this one even in and of itself is on shaky ground in my opinion, is fish oil. So fish oil has been shown in certain studies to be preventative uh, or help to assist in uh, heart disease, preventing heart disease. So people who supplement fish oil kind of have lower instances of I don't remember what type of heart disease. I, 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 I don't know if it was chronic heart failure or ASCD or whatever it is. Uh, I, so, like I said, this isn't going to be a, uh, a meta-analysis of, of, of exactly about supplements. It's just based on what I, I know, my knowledge of it. But uh, essentially, fish oil could have some minor benefits if you supplement it and you are, again, not getting any fatty fish in your diet. However, again, these benefits seem to kind of wash out if you are intaking, like if you are consuming like fish in your diet. So just to summarize, basically the only four supplements 
I, I know I'm coming at you hard and fast out the gate. The only four supplements that really do anything are creatine, uh, or sorry, whey, in the order of effectiveness, are whey protein, creatine, vitamin, individual like vitamin supplements if you need them, and fish oil. In order of basically the data that has that exists to support their use. But you may re- realize that with all of those supplements, if you are intaking adequate levels of those supplements in your diet, you really don't need those supplements, like at all. Those, those are the supplements that have uh, good data to support their use. Then the next set is the supplements that have eh, maybe a little bit of data to show that they might do something. So the first one that I would put in this section would be uh, beta-alanine. So what beta-alanine is, it is a, uh, it's generally a substrate, um, and it's usually popular used in pre-workouts to kind of boost your energy and boost your performance. There's been a lot of studies on beta-alanine, and essentially there's been shown to be a very minor effect um, in terms of increasing performance. So it increases your exercise capacity a little bit. But the thing is, when this is actually studied out over the long term, guess what? Beta alanine actually may not, it might give you acute, increased acute performance in a single exercise bout, but if you follow it out for like the weeks, months, years, does it actually give you increased performance like in all future bouts? Does it actually, does this lead to higher overall performance? Does this lead to higher amounts of muscle growth? Uh, the jury is still out. Um, even in, in like a single individual exercise bout, the improvement is only about 2.85%. So that's not, I think it was somewhere around there, like 2.8, 2.93% uh, increase in capacity. So it's like, you know, if you could normally run like, I don't know, I'm just using this, uh, uh, 10 miles, let's say, you a 3% increase, you could run 10.3 miles, or t- sorry, yeah, 10.3 miles if you're doing, using beta alanine, which is like, okay, <laughs> that's one exercise bout and it's okay. So there's some evidence for that. Um, citrulline malate is another one, often very popular in pre-workouts. I believe citrulline malate is the one that's a vasodilator, so it actually increases blood flow to, in your veins. I always get beta-alanine and citrulline malate confused, so I'm not sure which one's the best vasodilator, but I think it's citrulline malate. Um, again, citrulline malate has similar research to beta-alanine. They both are kind of somewhat effective for increasing performance, but if you take it out over the long term, not necessarily going to really do much measurable. And real quick, um, I'll get to this a little later on, but now nah, I can, I might as well address it right now. Pre-workout supplements. If you, if you ever buy a supplement labeled as a pre-workout, pre-workout supplements in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but you want to look at what the specific ingredients of that pre-workout are, and you want to make sure if they are dosed properly. Anyway, just because I, I guess we're kind of on the topic of pre-workout supplement or beta-alanine and citrulline malate are both pre-workout supplements or supplements that they that are often placed in pre-workouts. Okay, the next one is a multivitamin. So a multivitamin has like a bunch of you know specific vitamins that you know it, it usually has a bunch of sorry general vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin D, vi, uh, some vitamin K, whatever, all, all sorts of, and they have different profiles depending on the. Uh, you know, what type of multivitamin, what brand of multivitamin. So in general, multivitamin supplements, like what do they do? Just taking a multi, your daily multivitamin, does it actually help you? Well, current research shows probably not. Um, Taking a multivitamin is probably not going to help you in any discernible way. Um, 
if you are again if you are by chance deficient in certain things inside of that multivitamin that might help you but again if you were actually deficient in those things you should get a clinical deficient that should be actually tested clinically for that deficiency and then specifically supplement whatever you are deficient at at the proper amount so again probably wouldn't recommend taking a uh, multivitamin um, and then the other one the final uh, area the final supplement that I would say has like some uh, that the final I, I guess I would just put it in a category of types of supplements that have like some evidence behind them are very specific supplements for like very specific uh, uses. So I remember in a previous I listened to the uh, the Greg Knuckles, uh, what's his name, and the other guy. Eric Trexler, Greg Knuckles on uh, Stronger by Science podcast. And there are a couple supplements that have been uh, shown for specific uses. Like there was one that actually has data behind it for, on uh, menstrual cramps. Uh, I do not remember the name of the supplement. I'm losing it off the top of my head. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But there are specific supplements that have very specific purposes like that. Like, oh, this might actually reduce... There's actually data to show that this will reduce, you know, instances of menstrual cramps in women. So those specific type of supplements, it's a very case-by-case -case basis. And I would always, again, I would look at the ingredients of any supplements you are buying. And I would not buy, like, a general supplement that says, you know, this supplement does this thing. Because you really want to look at what the ingredients are and what the dosing of said ingredients are. Okay. So the final one is like supplements that definitely don't work. That's my final section. So uh, supplements that definitely don't work. The first one I, w I would say is uh, CLA, conjugated lyconic acid, I believe it stands for. So CLA is a supplement that they, they used to think would be useful in fat burning, but it turns out that CLA doesn't really do anything. I'm just going to kind of glance by these by memory. Fat burners, fat burning supplements. Um, fat burning supplements essentially just contain caffeine, which is actually something I failed to mention in the first section. So caffeine is a supplement that is actually effective for increasing ergogenic workout performance. So ergo, or sorry, is acute workout performance. So if you take caffeine in a workout, like before your workout, it will increase your workout performance for that specific workout. But that I actually forgot that in the first section. That's the fifth supplement that's fairly effective. But in terms of like fat, for the purpose of fat burning, fat burners generally just contain caffeine and stuff that's kind of like an appetite suppressants that cause you to be less hungry. Fat-burning supplements themselves do not burn fat, and they are not effective. And I would not recommend anyone goes on a fat-burning supplement or uses a fat or relies on a fat-burning supplement in order to burn fat. And then the last area of supplements that I would say is just complete bogus is anything that has a proprietary blend. Like any supplements that have a – where you read the label and it doesn't give you specific dosings of ingredients, I would just entirely avoid those supplements because you don't really know what's in them. You don't know the amount of stuff that's in them. If someone's claiming like some voodoo nonsense magical thing that is going to create some sort of result that is unsubstantiated by the evidence, it's probably not true. If it's too good to be true, it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't. Besides those, there's kind of just like another general subset of supplements that I would say that are like complete bullcrap nonsense supplements. And stuff like that are things like juice cleanses and like stuff that aligns your chakra and like all of this just like crazy stuff that makes outlandish claims and the ingredients in them. It basically is in the realm of homeopathy. There's no evidence for any of that having any possibility of working. And it's just so absurd that I don't even think I should really cover it on this podcast. But 
suffice it to say, if a, if a uh, supplement essentially has no effective ingredients and it is making outrageous claims, it is it is probably a supplement that falls into this category. So that's that's that. To review, we have our supplements that have good evidence behind them working. That's in specific contexts. That's whey protein, creatine. Let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Whey protein, creatine, fish oil, caffeine, and then specific multivitamin supplements or specific individual vitamin supplements. Then we have the uh, ones that have some evidence behind them, and that would be uh, citrulline malate, beta-alanine, specific uh, supplements that are used for specific purposes, like uh, the menstrual cramp one I mentioned. And then you have supplements that are complete crap and you should not even waste your time with, which are like fat burners, CLA, and anything that's a proprietary blend. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the next big subsection of this this uh, podcast, the dangers of supplements. What are the main dangers of supplements? So you've probably heard all all sorts of things like, oh, creatine is a steroid, uh, protein is bad for your kidneys. Are you? Am I going to talk about those things? No. And I mean, I will talk about them, but but the thing is, those are not really the dangers of supplements because. Well, I guess I'll address those two big ones because they're both very, very uh, seem to be fairly permeate, permeate, seem to have kind of, eh, can't talk today. <laughs> they seem to have permeated the fitness industry in term and, and the general population's kind of ideas of what supplements do. Like people think, oh, uh, creatine could be bad for you. Oh, maybe it's a steroid. There are studies on creatine, a lot of studies on creatine, and the long-term adverse effects of creatine. And it's been noted that creatine is considered safe for consumption, like over a long period of time. There's been fairly long-term studies done on it. Unless, unless you are someone with like severe kidney dysfunction or someone who just, I don't know, gets digestive distress from creatine, because there have been observed uh, instances of people who do get digestive distress from creatine. However, these seem to kind of wash out if they do creatine versus a placebo. So it seems to be more that... It's just the expectation of having the creatine that makes people get an upset stomach, not really the actual creatine itself. Um, so again, creatine safe to use. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, whey protein in terms of, again, protein and kidney function. Again, you intake protein in your food. You intake protein in all sorts of food sources. Whey protein is no different. It's just like in taking it from a food source. And the only way you should be worried about it is if you have already kidney dysfunction or a predisposition to kidney function, and you should probably talk to your doctor about it. Lowering your protein intake is not a good idea if you're just going to do it out of nowhere, because again, protein is really useful for rebuilding all of your tissues, and you need adequate protein, especially if you're going to be exercising and training in order to, you know, rebuild your muscles, rebuild your joints, have strong bones, joints, ligaments, everything as you train and progress and get stronger. Anyways, so what am I talking about when I actually talk about the dangers of supplements? Um, I am talking about what's probably the biggest danger of supplements, and that is, as I alluded to pre prior, the fact that you are not certain what is in a lot of supplements when you're ordering them. So let me explain. Most supplements, well, every supplement anyway in North America, is not are not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration or the CDC or anyone. And this all stems back to legislation that existed, I believe, back in the 80s, where supplements are technically not classified as food or drug. They are classified as supplements, which are entirely different. So they do not need to go through stringent testing protocols that foods and drugs need to go through in order to be consumed by humans. So when you buy a supplement... 
all that the only thing that that supplement needs to have to back it is someone who has created and blended that supplement. That's it. It doesn't require any type of third party approval. It doesn't require any type of it doesn't require any type of like, oh, we actually identified or measured this for accuracy to make sure what's in the supplement is what's claimed to be in the sub like anything. They can literally put anything on the label. And until someone actually investigates their claims and measures like what's the su- like is this this creatine supplement does it actually have creatine in it until someone actually does that like independently it, it nothing your supplement could be have be literally you could literally be buying like freaking salt in a in a can and they're selling it to you as creatine not even joking it's and we'll get to that in a second but uh, the main danger of supplements is you just don't know what's in them. Like people always talk about like, oh, processed food. Oh, you're eating at McDonald's. You don't know what's in, you know exactly what's in McDonald's. Actually, uh, McDonald's is the food that you get at McDonald's is it's the FDA has to approve it, right? Or you have to like, there's cleanliness standards. There's all supplements does not, do not have any of those things. You, you could lit- like, honestly, I would trust I would trust any supplement that you're going to get over the counter about as much as I would trust drugs that you're going to buy off the street. And that is not a hyperbole. I would, I would trust a non-tested, a non-third-party tested supplement about as much as I would trust buying from a drug dealer off the street who you've never met before. So the, when we get to like, okay, the standard of like what makes a supplement actually uh, good, we'll get to that in a second. But that that's the main danger. So when they actually tested supplements, and they were they're like, okay, we're going to test these supplements. We want to see if they are actually what's claimed to be in them. We want to see like this thing says it has this many grams of protein. We're, we want to see what it is. Over fifty percent of supplements, I, I believe it was it was it was actually well over fifty percent of supplements. I think it was actually well over sixty percent when when tested are actually not appropriately dosed. And they do not have what is claimed on the label. So if some, you're buying a whey protein supplement and it says it has 30 grams of protein per scoop, odds are very likely it probably does not even have anything close to 30 grams per scoop. It probably has like, it could have 20 grams, it could have 22 grams. It, it does not have as much protein likely as is claimed on the label. Or if you're buying a creatine supplement that says, oh, you know, this much, it's very likely that the actual amount of creatine in the supplement is not as much as is being claimed on the label. Further... Supplements, when they, in similar studies, they've been identified or they've been studied for their, their purity to see, okay, like, is the supplement, does it have any type of contaminant? And close to 50% of supplements have some type of contaminant that could potentially be hazardous to certain people. So not only is it very likely that your supplements that you're buying over the counter do not have any they don't even have what there is being claimed is in them. The do- and the dosing is probably not right on top of that. They also, and this isn't even getting into the proprietary blend thing that I mentioned before, they also probably have contaminants in them, or it's very likely, even if it's not probable, it's very likely that they have contaminants that could be potentially harmful to you. So why? <laughs> I mean, to me, all these things together, I'm like, is the is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, is it actually worth the effort you're putting into, or is it worth the money you're putting into the supplements to buy and, and put all that money and energy into using something that actually could be potentially harmful? I mean, I'll get to my exact opinion on that in a second. So in addition to these, uh, the final, I would say, danger of supplements is the proprietary blend thing. So 
in addition to all this stuff, if you buy something with a proprietary blend, guarantee you, I could guarantee you that that supplement is definitely not appropriately dosed. That supplement is definitely not, it definitely not, does not, it definitely has things in it that you don't want to be in your supplements. And the company is purposefully being secretive because it's not because they have the magic formula, because I, I'd find it highly unlikely that some random company that, again, the, the, the standard for, uh, the standard level for like creating a supplement or creating a supplement company is essentially zero. So you could literally be like a teenager in their mom's basement making this supplement. The, the odds or, or even, you know, illegal drug labs making this supplement, there, there, has been in, there have been many instances of performance enhancing substances and, or other illegal substances being in supplements. So it's, again, very high contamination rate of the supplements. But I find it very unlikely that someone that that someone in the supplement industry who's trying to like make money and is being specifically secretive about the nature of what's in their product would have discovered something that all of the combined intelligence of humanity and medical research has not been able to discover throughout the last several hundred years. That just seems like something that is on the surface. It just seems so astronomically unlikely. It's not even a thought worth entertaining. So proprietary blends are, I would never buy any supplement that would get, that has a proprietary blend or, or has says like, Oh, blend of, uh, you know, it says the ingredients, but it doesn't list the quantities or it says, Oh, special blank, blank matrix or what? No, do not buy those supplements. They are crap. Yeah. So absolutely positively, in my opinion, the largest hazard or risk of taking supplements is that many supplements are potentially contaminated or not dosed properly. The next thing I wanted to get to is what supplements do I take? So I take basically no supplements. <laughs> I can I can tell you exactly what supplements I take. I take a fiber supplement, which I almost don't even consider a supplement because psyllium is uh, it's it's fiber, it's food, right? I take a fiber supplement because. And, and here's the thing is certain fiber supplements have actually not been shown to really give you the actual benefits of getting fiber in your food. So I would rather have a high fiber intake for my foods, but I take a fiber supplement just because I, you know, it's, it's probably, there's probably low risk in that regard in terms of any negative effect that I could get. And this is one that I would consider is like, this is a specific supplement for a specific purpose, similar to how I mentioned like, oh, the one supplement can potentially decrease your risk of menstrual cramps. Like fiber is a supplement that I'm like, my, I know my fiber intake is probably not as high as it should be. I know that supplementing fiber is probably not going to be as good as eating high fiber foods, even though I try to do that anyway, but I'm just supplementing on the side because why not? The risk is low. The second supplement I take is protein, actually not whey protein. I take I take a, a vegan protein now and I only use it occasionally. I'll use a scoop or two here or there. The third supplement that I take is uh, I will take occasionally a, a vitamin D supplement simply because we don't get a lot of sun up in Canada, especially in the winter. And again, is that actually going to have any kind of positive effect? No, probably not. <laughs> but is, is supplementing like having vitamin D actually taken orally, is that actually going to create an effect that will compensate for not getting enough sunlight? Um, not likely. Am I dosing it in the proper amount? Not likely. Is it going to cause any sort of adverse effect? Uh, even less likely. <laughs> so, again, 
just to summarize, the supplements that I actually use are either stuff. Oh, and and every once in a while, I, I will also go on a phase where I supplement creatine. But I've found that it doesn't it doesn't really seem to give me any necessary performance or muscle growth benefits. So, eh. I guess I guess that's the the gist of the supplements that I take. It's like eh, I don't need them. They're not really doing much of anything for me necessarily. I'm just taking them because it's either out of convenience or it's because it's like, well, you know, it might have some small, very, very small benefit, but it's unlikely that it has a negative benefit or it's cheap and uh, it or the stuff like creatine, it does have some data, but it just hasn't necessarily worked for me. So, yeah. That would be, and, and for you when it comes to taking a supplement, I just want to say that no amount of supplements are going to substitute for hard work and consistency. Most people who listen to this podcast, you probably want to build some muscle, you probably want to build some strength, you probably want to lose some, lose some weight. Supplements are not really going to help with any of those things. They're not, not to any reasonable degree, not to any serious degree. Again, stuff like caffeine, like, okay, caffeine has like an appetite suppressive effect. It, and caffeine is one that I also occasionally uh, have caffeine or coffee or something. But it's again, it's not something that I really supplement. But it's like, if you, if you intake caffeine, right, it's like it may help with appetite suppression. It may help with uh, performance slightly, but it's not going to do the job for you, right? You can't just take caffeine and then like, oh, I'm not going to work out or like it's going to do all the work for me. It's, it's the magic pill. None of these things are magic pills. None of them are even like super effective. And again, I would argue that if you have a balanced diet, like you're going to get a huge benefit from that to where you'd probably be better off just eating the balanced diet and not taking any supplements. Even if you ate a balanced diet and added supplements on top, I'm not sure there's any data to show that that would give you any sort of added benefit. So that's my overall opinion on like what supplements do I take and like would I recommend them to other people? Because again, I'm not really recommending them anyway. It's like if, if you were to go the route of trying to determine for yourself what supplements you want to take, it would be... I would say that the the way you want to go about it is which supplements are have have data behind them, um, which ones am I on board for, which ones can I be reasonably certain that the supplement is not contaminated, and and so on and so forth. So the last thing I really want to talk about is how do I tell if a supplement is good? Like how do I tell if a specific supplement is good? Like I want to go out, I want to buy creatine or whatever, but what creatine do I buy? I want to go out and I want to buy a, a pre-workout. You could buy a pre-workout because there are pre-workouts that have those supplements, some of the supplements that I said, like beta alanine, creatine, etc. in them, caffeine. So what what do I do? How do I figure out what supplements are actually good when it comes to taking the actionable step of buying those supplements if I decide to end up making that decision? So the first thing that I would look for is I would look for the companies that are the most or the supplements that are the most transparent, like the ones that don't make ridiculous claims like you're going to get a pump that makes your head explode or you're going to have the best workout of your, uh, you know, all the ones that have like the, this, these claims like burn fat with this, any of those, avoid them entirely. Look for a supplement that does not make crazy claims and is trying to be as transparent as possible with its processes. Stuff that has like, um, so a good example of this is supplements that are third-party tested. I think the overall like overarching message is you want to get supplements that are, they are very transparent, but underneath this is you want to find supplements that are third-party tested. There are different uh, labels that you can see, like it will say like third-party tested or tested by this specific lab, and you can Google and look up exactly which what that thing is and if they're reputable. So look for a, a, 
a supplement that has a third-party testing label that's it's like tested for purity or it's tested to be free of drugs or it's tested to be free of, uh, you know, any type of supplements or, or sorry, any type of contaminants. But you know what's funny is I was actually in the drug testing pool for the Ontario Powerlifting Association in like 2017 to 2018. And... When I took, when I signed up for the drug testing pool, they tell you specifically if you take a tainted supplement like that has a illegal, which is actually quite likely again, as we previously said, that it has some type of illegal performance enhancer or it has some type of contaminant in it, and then you were then to test positive on a drug test because of that supplement, it is 100% the fault and the liability of the athlete, not the supplement company in any way. And this is even if that is a third-party tested supplement. Even if that batch is third-party tested, it is still 100% the liability of the competitor, the athlete. So I, what this looks like is I would buy a supplement from a company that is very reputable. They have third-party testing. That specific batch was tested for no uh, performance-enhancing drugs, and then it somehow has some in it. It's contaminated by it, and I get popped on a drug test. I fail the drug test. It is still 100% my fault, and I have zero legal recourse against the supplement company. So just know that whenever you are buying a supplement, no matter how clear, how transparent, or how perfect that, that supplement company's record are, there is still a possibility that the supplement is crap and you are 100% liable then. So bearing that in mind, I would look for a, com a supplement that's third-party tested. I would look for a supplement that has, that has specific ingredients listed that have that you are looking for that do a specific effect, like the ones that I listed in the beginning, caffeine, creatine, uh, whey protein in appropriate doses. You can look up appropriate dose levels if you go to the National Institute of Health for any of those supplements. Appropriate amounts, dosage levels in the supplements, and it is third-party tested. I would again. I would strongly advise against anything with a proprietary blender that does not delineate exactly what is on the what is in it and in what quantity. And I would strongly suggest against comp supplement companies that have big, crazy claims or all this wild ass marketing. Although that tends to be the type of supplement that draws people in to buy it. So, yeah, to each to each their own. I think in summary, again, this is this is kind of more of a, a rant with a few tent poles in it in terms of uh, what I'm talking about with supplements, but most supplements are fairly superfluous if you're eating a balanced diet. Most supplements have, at best, even the best supplements have, uh, even the supplements that have good evidence to their effectiveness, the effectiveness is minimal and not huge. And finally, the amount of benefit that, and likelihood of contamination or bad things or things you don't want in supplements is, are very high, but the amount of likelihood that the supplements will give you a massive benefit is literally non-existent. So be very careful with your supplementation practices and don't think that a supplement's going to help you. It's all about consistency. It's all about training consistently. It's all about training regularly. It's all about if you want to lose weight, eating at a calorie deficit. If you want to learn more about all of these things, you can follow me on Instagram at Johnny Reps Fitness. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore R-E-P-S underscore fitness. If you have any thoughts or ideas you want to share with me, you can always email me. You can always uh, shoot me a message on Instagram or I'm on TikTok, Facebook, any of those things. It's the same thing. And I'm on YouTube. And this is my podcast, Strength for All. I appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks so much for your time. If you made it this far, please leave me a like on whatever platform you're listening to this on or a review if it's a platform that has reviews. I don't know how these things work. I'm technologically impaired, but I am 
here to help in any way possible. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast, and I will talk to you guys in two weeks, probably when the next episode comes out. Take care. (laughs) 